you so much for joining us today. I'm very excited about this episode. I was looking forward to it. Uh, today we have Eric Wong and Jonathan Roots for this podcast. John is a senior lecturer in film studies at School of Design in University of Greenwich. I'm always fascinated to hear what John has to say around cinema and the history of films, particularly his research interests lie in Japanese cinema, transnational cinema, how films are received, genres within film and media, how the films are distributed, what does it mean to have various different distribution channels. He's interested in Japanese anime, subtitling, dubbing. I mean, all in all, someone who really understands a lot about film. So if you're a film lover, you would truly appreciate having a conversation with John. Now, our second guest is Eric Wong. Eric is an architect and he is a senior lecturer in architecture in University of Grinch School of Design. He is just a brilliant conceptual artist and architect who has just uncanny imagination. I would link some of his projects. He has worked on robust cities. His ability to bring these concepts into the application of real world are magnificent. And recently, he has worked in a Japanese feature anime called Bell by Mamoru Hosoda, who is one of the biggest anime directors in the world. And Eric has designed a virtual world, which is called the world of you. And we will explore more on it. And you can see that um, there's one thing in common between all three of us is the love of anime and the beauty of those worlds and the storytelling and its depth and the nuance of the characters in these animes. And uh, I'm grateful to talk to Eric and I was really excited because there's someone who provided the container which allowed that beauty in the anime to breathe and brought us into the realm of that fantastic dreams um, and imagination. So, without any further ado, let's get to the conversation. Eric, thank you so much for joining us and John. Thank you so much for coming back. It's, it's really nice to have you here. I was looking forward to this conversation. Um, so we will start, Eric, from asking you. First thing I wanted to ask you, and we have chatted a little bit about it, um, but the, the, it, the first process, because maybe this is one of the first feature film work you have done. If not, please let me know. But what was the introduction, like, to that process and 
what was your emotions around it? I mean, if we can start from there and you can introduce also who you were working with, what is the film about? I think it would be better if it comes from your mouth. Um, yeah, so uh, I practice as an architect and uh, I, I, I teach as well. But uh, the opportunity for it, just it just came through once in my junk email one day, which was absolutely crazy. And the opportunity was actually to do um, concept art. And at that point, they didn't say who was who 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 it was for, but there was just a short abstract with a few sentences outlining what the concept art should be or should be about. And in that month, I would produce that pack um, in preparation for it, and then. And then after that month, I sent through the pack and then they got back to me and they said, uh, we really enjoyed your concept art pack. This this work is actually um, for a new animated feature film. It's called, at the time it was, it was called Love Song, but it's now known as Bell. And it's uh, for uh, director Mamoru Soda's new film, um, Studio Chizu. So at the time I was like, no way. <laughs> what? I was doing this concept art pack for this. So it was a really exciting um, moment, really exciting time. And then um, from there on out, they said the director would really like to work with you. Um, he he personally found you on the internet. And um, you'd be meeting him every week. And then the rest was history, I guess. Um, John, do you do you wanna do you have some comment around? Uh, no, I just think well, it's always a fascinating story to hear. I've I've uh, heard it a few times. Um, we've got, um, Eric's talked about it a couple of times at the university already. He gave one of the the guest lecture spots, uh, I think, back in term one. And uh, and I asked you thanks again for doing this for coming along to one of my cinema and space classes back in January and talking to the students um, because that that module covers the representation of space in in films and tv in a variety of different ways and when i heard that eric you know had designed some of the spaces in an animated film i'm like well that fits right in with the themes of the module so um i appreciated a lot the students did as well those that turned up that day they they um they, they said thank you to me and I, I think to you as well uh, after that day um so yeah it's just a fascinating fascinating uh story to hear and um you know there's still so much excitement about bell at the moment i'll mention this now i, I mentioned this earlier to raza and i'll do this before i forget um but it's still being shown at cinemas i think there's going to be a blu-ray release um it might be being pushed back i think it's been pushed back to may in the uk but it is going to still show at cinemas the bfi actually have an anime season on at the moment so bell's going to be shown again surprise surprise <laughs> um uh this time at the bfi imax i think that that's uh, 25th of April, but do check on the, if you're listening to this, do check on the um, uh, BFI website about their anime season because there's loads of great anime films being shown, lots of uh, other Hosoda films too. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find out what the tickets for Bell are as well. So, I mean, I how do I find out about uh, Eric? It was... Mamoru Hasuda's films have been really inspirational for me. I mean, animes in itself has been really inf inspirational. So, Wolf Children, I saw it first time when I was moving here in London. So this was a really strong memory. And then um, 
virtual reality personally myself is is very important for me and then mamuru's films are about we are virtual realities and internet sound um sound wars oh uh, no sorry summer wars um yeah and then um i booked the tickets for bella and uh, i'm going to watch this film and i got an email from john saying that oh eric did a vr design and it is it just was fantastic that how these kind of two inspirational world suddenly came so close so how was your interest or your history around the animes itself like did you grew up watching animes were you interested in it or how you um get into the the um watching animes and also did um you watch mamoru's film before i mean or or like like really interested in the films or did you then go back and watch them um so yeah i definitely grew up um watching anime i really enjoyed it um i guess when i when i was younger it was quite a niche niche thing and now it's so so much more um accessible and and people appreciate it a lot more which is amazing to see and 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 um yeah i just grew up watching a, a plethora of animes loads um and uh, it's definitely influenced my 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 work uh especially in architecture school um I'd learn and borrow from the way they animate and illustrate certain moments whether it's the intangible or whether it's certain amazing speculative worlds I really enjoy um speculative architecture and and pushing the what if questions um and and yeah I I definitely watched uh Morisoda's films growing up from Digimon in in the early year 2000s to the Summer Wars in 2009 uh Wolf Children one of my favorites as well and uh he's just an amazing director the way he he addresses family issues coming of age um touches on emotions humor uh action laughter the way he cuts the scenes it, it, it's it's just um it's just uh amazing i'm just thankful to have the opportunity to work with him and um to to also learn from him as well so it, it's been a crazy journey um I did wanted to ask you about the so the summer wars and bell is about we are world and the architecture is different in both of them. Did you did, was there a conversation around the comparison of these two architectures and that film was nearly 10 years ago and it was representing internet um and this is also somehow a representation of an evolution of the internet were there comparisons around it like this conversation that why it has changed and uh did you also look back and took the references and how did that process worked um yeah so during the design process um we originally imagined a sort of revamp of of some uh it would inspired by the world of summer war so there'd be this totem pole like architecture structure and it'd be in a more nocturnal feel so a slight twist on mm-hmm. on that kind of architecture but as we developed it um direct memory soda he he spoke about you know you know the internet what is it now and he spoke about how he wrote wrote bell based on you know what does it feel like for his children growing up in this day and age uh in in the internet back then if you look at some wars 
he, he said, you know, it was it was a really white space. It was a kind of a blank canvas. So it was very much a frontier um, because the internet was very new at the time. Uh, whereas now it, it's it's quite a convoluted space. It's quite busy. And what does that mean? Is it, you know, is it dangerous? Is it positive? And, and he wanted to shine a positive light on it. So we, we revisited it a few times and then came to what we see the world of you is now. And the architectural design, um, the 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 quality of the architectural design, is this your work generally inspired in this kind of straight lines and skyscrapers, or was it just part of the conversation? And then that's how you came to this internal world. Um, so, what I really enjoyed about this process was it started from a few uh, an abstract, then it went to a script, and within the script there was really uh, interesting keywords like an omnidirectional cityscape, uh, geometrically lit skyscrapers, and, and and so on and so forth. So I, I kind of took those words and and pushed it to to see what it could be, and we develop it week on week, and and then yeah, that's 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 how it came about. Yeah, John. Um, so do you think that the anime also because you're writing a book the path of zatoichi you have written well book. written yes, that book you have yeah. written it. it's, it's not up. not related to anime i yes. hasten to add but i've touched on this subject sometimes yes. in some of my research yeah. yeah yeah so would you like to well um yeah uh i was just gonna i was just trying to remember from when eric had told me before if you could just elaborate on because um, you were working with the director regularly to develop ideas, as you just explained. How many months was it you were on those? Um, it was Skype calls, wasn't it? Because this was just before the uh, lockdowns for the yeah. pandemic, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, correct. It was just before lockdown. And then as we developed the project, it went, it went into lockdown. And yeah. it spent about uh, seven, eight months. And then there was a, a three or four month after period of, of handover and, and, yeah. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it's a, yeah, a long time for that, which, which kind of... Uh, clicks with you know what I've heard uh, other production stories of how long it can take to make an animated film mm. um, or an animated project like that and it's just fascinating also with Bell that it wasn't just Hosoda reaching out to you in the UK to get input on this production because exactly. um, I think it was first yourself that told me that actually they were um, getting on board creative talents uh, for one of putting it a better I think there's a better best way to put it creative talents from all over the world because you um I didn't realize until you told me um one of the Disney designers Jin Kim was involved for exactly. the character design mm-hmm. and um Neo magazine also mentioned this as well the fact that some of the animation was completed by Cartoon Saloon mm-hmm. uh, an Irish animation mm-hmm. studio mm-hmm. so it's just uh, it's just a fantastic international collaboration isn't it yeah it was amazing and Kao Nakamura was, was amazing in, in, in the music and then you had Ludwig Fussell with, 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 with the you know the, com- composing the music and then also the the art director designed who designed the whale in Bell was from Final Fantasy 14 and 15 so there was definitely a lot of amazing talent surrounding that it, was there a conversation around whale? Because I I noticed that there is a whale in both of his films, in Summer Wars as well, and in this mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I don't know. Just it, was there a conversation like why or or? I think the director just really enjoys whales, <laughs> 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 and it was part of the script. And um, it's and but but I I do recall him speaking about these animals once, um, mm-hmm. and and 
you know how how interesting they are why why use the whale and the wolf because you know they they tend to be seen as you know quite um dangerous um animals but but you shine a positive light on 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 both these characters both a wolf and and, and a whale in 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 his films and you know that they're a bit more complex than than they are and uh it was just interesting interesting to to see it's another interesting recurring thread of of Hossida's work in general it's just like there's the there's the link of of two uh, of the whales in a couple of his films but he's also got a, clearly got a fascination with animals and creatures in general as you said mm. you could even take this right back to the beginning with Digimon because mm. they're they're a particular type of creature and then from there you've got um I think um it's been a while since I've seen it I'm sure they crop up in some form in the girl who leapt through time but mm. then you've got Summer Wars the the animal like avatars in there the distinctive one in that film being King Kazuma the rabbit. Yeah, exactly. is there? Uh, I, I've, yeah. That's just reminded me. Is there a rabbit-shaped avatar in Bell? Uh, um, must be. No. Like maybe, maybe I'm just uh, misremembering it. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but there's the distinctive animals are a recurring thread in a lot of his work. You know, of course, wolf children, mm-hmm. the boy and the beast as well. Exactly, yeah. and 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 I just think it's amazing how he uses it, especially in wolf children. Because you know it addresses the notion of like minorities, outcasts, and and what that means, mm. and and I've, and just just the simple use of a wolf can really address all of those wider issues. And I thought that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I I try to. I don't know if it's a good thing. You you guys should tell me. Um, if someone hasn't seen most of the and like they haven't been introduced to anime, I do tell them that Wolf Children is really a very interesting film to get into oh yeah isn't it yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd agree that's that i mean there's so many great choices to start from but there's nothing wrong with starting with wolf children i mean just i i'd say i'd warn them by take a box of tissues with you obviously <laughs> I, I have to admit i was in tears by the end i mean that yes. that uh, that kind of touched a nerve with me uh, much on a similar line to hirokazu koreeda's films uh, have you seen koreeda's films Great, great films. You know, um, I mentioned earlier watching Drive My Car at the weekend. Mm. Everyone was talking about Corrieda in the similar way that they are to Hamaguchi at mm. the moment, the director of Drive My Car. So he's known for uh, directing these very, very somber, often family-focused dramas. And a couple of them do deal with, you know, um, divided or disrupted families on a similar uh, in, a, in a similar context to wolf children. But uh, as you can probably guess, there's, there's no wolves in here. So that's the that's the unique hook, of course, of wolf children. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are much contemporary Japanese dramas, and, and some of them do just have you in tears by the end. These are uh, if you if you want a good weepy, <laughs> uh, definitely watch a Koreeda film. And I I, I thought um, Hosoda's Wolf Children was on a similar scale to that. So it's a great entry, I think, into anime. Um, but do take the box of tissues with you. <laughs> I remember speaking to um, Charles Solomon, who's who's a, a art histori- uh, anime historian and, and critic and and teacher, and he was saying like how Hosoda wrote it right after Summer Wars in in homage to his uh, mum passing and and how how much she, she meant to him, and and that's why Wolf Children was something quite special as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, for me, of course, Wolf Children and also Boy and the Beast, I was not expecting to like it as much as I really enjoyed it and liked it. And same same thing with the um, rawness of animals. I mean, I guess this is big theme around like we feel we are so separated that we don't any longer feel that we were like an animal in in this way and mm. and i remember this sentence which is i, I think that, i don't remember uh, pompoko 
the the oh yeah, yeah another great film yeah, yeah 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 and this was the sentence uh, where I think they were all raccoons is, is oh, yeah they're ta- tanuki which is a particular type of Japanese raccoon okay, dog okay. although in Pompoko they're the mythological ones with the magical yes. powers yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert! I mean, yeah. this is a, this is this podcast is all about spoilers, so I should have maybe said it. Right. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't think we've revealed all the spoilers there. And the That's great a great thing I can say with Pompoko is it's still on there at the moment because I asked my students to watch it a couple of months ago. It's on Netflix, yeah. as are a lot of the other Ghibli films. Sadly, no Hosoda films on mm. Netflix at the moment, but lots of lots of Ghibli films. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, you're right. Like, there's a one sentence over there where they say that, oh, we thought that, and they are the mythological raccoons yeah. talking about, we thought that the humans were pretty much like another animal like us, a bit mm-hmm. powerful. But I guess now they have turned into God. And and they, that was a very interesting, and I saw it a long time ago, but that was a good understanding of how the origin of us with the rawness of animal energies and animal expressions and their mm. their role in the ecosystem and then suddenly we being so separated from it and i think his films are really good um lens into trying to understand that connection and rawness and then that nuance which which comes with with it probably that maybe is one of the most important thing where I won first first anime I saw was um Black Lagoon. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Weirdly. I've only I've only just got around to seeing that recently myself. Oh, yeah? yeah, it's yeah. good. Oh it's good. my yeah. goodness. Have uh, Eric have you? No. This is this is a very different film to oh, yeah. or, to Bell though. <laughs> well it's not even a film, is it? It's, it's, a, it's series. a series. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you if you're into your guns and bloody violence, most yeah. definitely that's that's what that's all yeah. about. But but uh, the, yeah, it was an action and I was like, okay, this the, the, the best part about it was the nuance of the characters and the storytelling mm. in anime. That's yeah. the yeah. that's that's what got me into the anime. The the maturity of the storytelling and the exploration yeah. of the storyline, which sometimes from from someone who is not in who's not been watching anime, it seems really non-linear because it's everything is sometimes feels unexpected that was my point of view i mean the turn changes and it becomes a dream into the real world and uh, so that's that's what really interested me in the the power of storytelling through mm-hmm. these uh, kind of stories and and then the re-entry into the things which we were really disconnected with mm-hmm. um is there like a a, a a something which is close to you like which you think that anime brings to your life or would you think that what attracted you the most about it oh it, well it's interesting that you mention i'll be interested to hear this from eric at the moment you mentioned that one of the first anime you saw was black lagoon that's a hell of a starting point for anime i just want to say that now i'm <laughs> trying to remember what the first anime i saw i'm trying to remember if i saw something beyond the pokemon series when i was younger on tv so I remember that growing up, and, and Digimon was at a similar time. I know Hosoda mm. directed the film, mm. but I think the series was quite popular at the same time as, as one of the Pokemon series. I know because there have been loads, absolutely massive franchise that. So it might have been Pokemon first, or um, maybe the first one where I where I had that similar reaction that you talked about, Raza, um, was probably Akira when I was like 16, mm. 17. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the first anime feature film I remember watching, 
uh, uh, you know, in my teenage years and having a big impact on me. Yeah, I'm not sure I can pinpoint exactly which one it is. I feel like it's all a blur unless I really sit down and reflect <laughs> and I go, which one was it? But, um, Should have brought a hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, po- Pokemon was definitely part of it. Yeah. Uh, Akira um, and a few others uh, back when I was younger. And yeah, I'm not sure which one it was. I'll have a think about it and get back to you. Yeah, no, I mean, w- was it like just, yeah, maybe not pinpointing like one anime, but... but um, what is one of the uh, most closest thing around animes? Do you think it could be any any kind of uh, abstract emotion? If you wanna, if if it comes, I'm just pushing it once to get something out of Eric. I just think um, anime as a medium is just such an unbounded medium, and that's what makes it so special as well. That um, you you can draw anything and everything and it could really feel cohesive once you make that amazing environment of, of sorts and, and the characters are interesting and and it, it just didn't feel like the, yeah it just felt like something quite special at the moment mm. when, when I was younger and something I found accessible as well mm. when I was a lot younger and even now um, but yeah <laughs> so I've I've got something I wanted to throw in just to see if I could get you two talking because you might have similar ideas, especially because uh, or 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 interests, especially because of your work on Bell, Eric. Because mm. you've spoken to me a few times, Raza, about your interest in like uh, digital worlds, uh, forms of communication, technology, and I uh, apologise, I forget exactly what your PhD. You're researching a PhD at the moment, aren't you? Yes. What's your PhD topic? Um, so, so it, it is about finding um, better ways of um, enhancing human learning capacity. Yeah, so. and and you've often spoken to me how you love science fiction as well. And Bell, Bell kind of gets into that. It's clearly set in the new future with this social media and you've told me before it touches on interest you're really interested uh, touches on areas you're really interested in um so just digital forms of communication and how that's evolving um and clearly this is a big part of bell mm. um so uh, i i was wondering if you know um raza can discuss more about his interest but also you know how much how how much of these sorts of things was it purely on aesthetics that Hosoda was asking you um, to design the virtual world of, of of you within Bell, or were you having maybe some of those broader, more philosophical conversations? Possibly, I know you had limited time with him, so maybe not uh, about you know digital worlds and and digital communication. I think what's really amazing about this is the way he found um, all the people that, that's been able to be part of the film. They're from across the world. Mm. They're international talent, some unknown talent, some yeah. some well-known. Um, and and that communication itself is, is very much part of part of the film. Uh, the fact that we communicated online for predominantly most most of the work, um, we and the the producer was also the, the translator at the time, and there's also a time difference, and then he he'd be working across the clock with with many other people around the world, and then and just how we we use different mediums from Skype to Zoom, to I think that's all part of the film, like mm. being able to positively communicate around the world and and still make make the film happen and then i remember when we first met this was at uh, the bfi 
uh, and we we were still in in restrictions and then it just got lifted so he had the opportunity to to come over and he said I'm coming over and uh, I'd like you to join the premiere and then when we first met it's almost like we knew each other we just gave a big hug and we spoke and um yeah, dinner together and it, it, it was just an, a really, really surreal experience for me. So I think on 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 the working level, it, it was just amazing to see how the, the power of the internet, because I don't think I had much online presence at, at the time, really. And he just so happened to have managed to find me, which I found, yeah, I'm just very thankful for. And then to work online and, and all of those things. So undoubtedly, that the, the power of the internet is 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 important. In, in, in that sense and, and powerful and also how it's part of the film and, and it shines a positive light on it. Yeah, there there are sometimes these kind of things happens where it is the the creation of the film itself becomes the film. Mm-hmm. And and um I think one of the examples comes just just right now, maybe to make it maybe to express it better like what do i mean is that in blade runner 2049 um dennis Villeneuve is showing this scene um it's a, i think it was released in 2017 if i'm correct 2017 18 yeah 2017 yeah, like i think he's he's showing this scene where um the main character is uh, trying this vr device upgrade from the um from this farm and uh, so we i'm watching that in the imax theater bfi imax and they actually worked a lot with trying to uh, do um, trying to upgrade the 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 experience of the person who's watching it on imax classes so in the scene this person is like experiencing this upgrade into this VR uh, persona avatar of this girl who comes walking past by. And I have seen nearly every film I can see from Avatar to now uh, on BFI IMAX 3D glasses. Uh, and, and I've never seen something like that, that how much it was realistic. And it was very... Um, it, it, was, it was very weird, I would say, that, that the film is talking about and in, in, in innovation and actually I'm experiencing that kind of innovation while watching the film and and it is actually very similar the the modular element of Eric's your your architectural design I I feel like and I don't know it's, it's I don't know I can't really say what it is very subjective but I think that the that the world in summer wars, was described where the world of internet was not ruled by algorithms. And algorithms are very structural, skyscraper kind of things which which construct the virtual world in a very specific way. And they love organization and categorization. And I'm like for some reason it felt like that he also feels it that now the world of the internet is governed by algorithms and to to represent them in a physical form is is like a 
in my mind, this this is what was going on between these two different. They are still modular. They are still granule, but there's a very specific straight line categorization uh, going on. And how he met all of you become like a part of a film, and, and yeah, that that that's what was really exciting about it. And now having a conversation with you about that. Yeah, I think the internet's become quite a com- complex space as well. So it is really about like you know pushing the both both the dangers and wonders of 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 the of the internet world. And um, actually, speaking on innovation and speculation, it's amazing because we started the film in. I I got the email in late two thousand and nineteen, just before the the pandemic really hit, and then the pandemic happened. So and then right after the pandemic you know that the metaverse became a quite a, a massive theme so you can see these overlaps of of, of these uh, uh, somewhat untimely situations but, but also timely in the same time that it's, it's quite relevant to to the sort of themes he's addressing and it's about speculating the what if and and, and he did that through, through that film that you know like through the through the avatars communicating online it became so much more um meaningful uh yeah upon its release as well so it it's just amazing to see how it happened all before all of these events as well fascinating i i actually must correct i i think it was this the the i, I will come back to the structure about the like the the deep structures of internet and vr and how the communication is working with humans um I think I might have seen the first anime was Ghost in the Shell, actually. Okay. But, but I didn't really thought of it as, uh, you know, anime. And I have seen Akira and Paprika. Oh, Paprika is fantastic, yeah. I think it was Paprika, which was which made me feel like that this is... I didn't understand anything. It was <laughs> really... That was very early on. But I did understand, like, some elements of dream and then uh, one of the first time i understand oh you can represent the subjective and internal conflicts of your mind onto the screen with characters and 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 colors and emotions and that's what i got out of it um ghost in the shell actually um have you seen ghost in the shell eric Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. so um do you uh, that um is John, what you were talking about, the communication element of it, is that... That's a big part of that film as well. I mean, right at the beginning, you see... Um, oh, am I forgetting it? I told you this would happen. I'd start forgetting names. <laughs> Motoko Kuzanagi is the character, isn't it? Yeah. And you see her kind of being built from... Um, especially in the updated version, because it's been re-released a few times, they added CG to it, mm-hmm. um, which I know some people probably think is criminal like along the lines of what they did to Star Wars but anyway it's been done because it's so popular um, but you see that right from the beginning of the film don't you uh, Kusanagi is kind of digitally communicated and constructed and then put into the body form and then that's the big crux of the narrative isn't it if you if you have uh, a cybernetic biomechanical body what happens to your soul can you digitize the soul that sort of thing yeah it gets very deep doesn't it and then mm. even deeper and and loads of philosophy in the second one ghost in the shell to innocence yeah i would i say something about this this element i mean so we you have worked really closely around avatars and humans with meat body in this space 
Um, I, I, so I, I might actually throw this first out. So maybe so that you can comment more about this. What was, what was the process around? Okay, so we would have avatars roaming around this world which you have created, and we are representing these meat body people who live in various different places in Japan. Probably, probably most of the people. Then he showed most of the people in VR from Japan, if I'm corrected. Yeah, so. Um, with Ghost in the Shell, um, this is, um, I grew up in 90s or, and, and grew up really on computers, weirdly, not really. I mean, this is what, you know, coming up. Um, I've realized that some people who, who are in desert, you know, desert people, they have like a very specific type of emotional const constructure, uh, uh, construction. And, and and the people who are in Amazon jungles, they have like they are shamans, and they would say that yes, they they can communicate with like trees. I mean, whatever that subjective element of communication is. People who are growing up on mountains like Sherpas would have capabilities of, um, like the they have different lungs capacity where they can breathe in, and I this is why I'm so interested in this technological VR AI. Communi I don't. I don't like to use this word anymore because it's such a pop term. Artificial what, what is that? AI. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. So it's cliche, is it? That's interesting to know. I don't know what terms become uh, cliche or not. I, uh, just reminds me of this is a completely off-topic um, <laughs> tangent <laughs> of um, what term was it? Oh yeah, there was a conference where I was at where they were getting very irate about the term diversity. Oh yes, no, that exactly. had become cliche. That's but it's true. just interesting. That's a You're that's right. an, a list I'll add to my brain that AI is becoming cliche now. Weirdly <laughs> enough, no one who actually builds it's machine learning. That's what right. it's called. Okay. Or deep neural networks. Okay. But the there isn't any artificial intelligence really. There's a chatbot with a little statistics. They call it AI. So AI is becoming like a marketing term somehow. But yes, if you're making a film, if you're exploring a concept to make sense to have an AI, it's in that world. It doesn't exist in the world where you're trying to get the funding, but it's an exciting world. So more like if you do want to talk about, in my head, if you do want to talk about AI, it's like um, transcendent intelligence or some sort, which is whatever that means. Um, so, um, so I was saying that, uh, yeah, so you, as a, as a human, you're, you're like interacting with this technology. It, it, somehow feels like to me that you know how humans are very adaptive and they imitate you can um grow up on these kind of virtual worlds like yahoo msn chatbots and skype and you can feel that kind of technology and i didn't know that um that there's a word and i had this word techno spiritualist for me in my head like what does that even mean it's, it's not spiritualist in that way but the techno essence essence so it doesn't make any sense so i was like oh techno spiritualist which means there's a there's a level of communication between the technology and the human in some way or form and uh, but then i realize that there are more people who are talking about it. they call it techno mystics and and this is the human element uh, and and the technology element of it um and uh, and there is this uh, feel you can say that there's a level of understanding uh, around technology where you 
not you're not mesmerized by it not you're really scared by it because that's what you would find most people either people are really mesmerized by it or they are really scared by it i would say some individuals i've met or have really close communication around these topics are the people who are somewhere in the middle where they would have this type of understanding of the patterns which are appearing in the world around the technology and the cyber world and they can see that how it is now being appearing around it so this is like my internal world of having this feel of the technology like the world we sit in right now like what we are talking about if we do remove all the things like with table and everything which we see more there's a microphone in front of us with the wires going inside the internet and then the data is transferring and and whoever is listening is listening through their headphones and there's wires all over the wall and if you remove the wall if you remove the structures of the bricks this world is literally now constructed in like that of cyberspace and and we are in it kind of and and the film uh it does seem like oh this is maybe a little bit more futuristic but i i don't know it feels like we kind of like very much in it if you can see the space the complexity of cyberspace around us sorry that was a little bit longer <laughs> <laughs> uh eric so so the the original comment i wanted to say that um the process around like the human and the interaction of the vr world mm-hmm. like what were the conversations around that element because that's very crucial part of the communication mm-hmm. i understand that um the the director and his team did a lot of research on 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 in in the real world to really get the setting correct as he does with many of his films even with the hannes house back in wolf children and and even the the you know the amazingly designed house by actually an architect the mirai as well was also very beautiful how it steps and how there's always a visual interest for the kid to always see the mother and to feel like he's climbing and traveling through through the house so um there there's a lot of effort and um research uh and details put into the real world even from just um the bedroom of of Suzu or, or the bedroom of any other characters in in his film they're very specific mm. and it's really telling of the characters so i think those real world settings are really important for his film and um and to make it feel real to then make something like the virtual world feel very spectacular and interesting so having that that clear clear difference is also helpful to to differentiate the two and um there's also key moments throughout the film where suzu's always walking past uh, a river that reminds her of her mother and um it becomes a really key scene uh through and through and also it's also reminiscent of that single line that you see in you as it goes into the vast world because that that single line is very reminiscent of and a metaphorical of of the river she also passes through mm. in the real world so um in that sense i i i think that you know that they both hold a sort of equal amount of weight in 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 some way shape or form and and it's just amazing because people come from different backgrounds have different cultures and histories and and the fact that they can bring that in through the avatars as well in into this sort of universal space because the avatars are meant to represent your your, your true self so i think people can also inject their own uh, personalities and identities in, in, into this space um and also within the virtual world of you you also have despite these um 
hard modular skyscrapers. You have a very common space, a gathering hub with, with greenery and, and, and life. So it's all about these small interjections along this sort of um, complex world. So I think in, in, in that sense, um, yeah, it, it's, it's nice to see the difference between the real and, and the virtual. And I remember designing um, the, the app design for, for the interface entering the world of you. And I, I came across, I, I was designing a few options where you, you swipe in a very interesting way or you use uh, different icons, but, but we stayed quite true to what a real phone looks like because we wanted the real world to feel as real as possible so that when you enter the virtual world, it's something quite special. Yeah, fasc uh, fascinating to hear about. And going back to um, Raza's point, I mean, this this also relates to, of course, what we're, what we're talking about today. Um, yeah, it was interesting that, that part that you mentioned that, uh, you know, this film is presented as being in the near future, but actually how close is it in terms of how we interact with the virtual world and make sense of it? Um, and it seems to me, going from what you said with, with all the comments that you're making, that what is still in the future is is how we interact with that space. Um, it, it was also interesting going back to an even earlier column, and uh, I hadn't even thought about it this way, but it does make sense. I didn't realize that algorithms could be visually seen as like skyscrapers, monolithic skyscrapers in the digital world, which is which I think is interesting for a variety of reasons for how virtual spaces have been portrayed in science fiction media that I'm familiar with. But um, I won't go on about that yet. But <laughs> what, what, I, what I wanted to mention, first of all, was maybe what is futuristic is the way we interact with that virtual world. Because if I remember rightly in Bell, it's just a case of, you know, doing this through your phone, but also uh, do they have an earpiece or something mm -hmm. that they hook up to? And that's how she's able to sing in the virtual world as well as in the real world. Mm -hmm. So that seems to be what's futuristic is that interfacing technology, because I don't think we're quite there yet. We're just with the phones, the laptops. We, we need all those wires still that Raza mm -hmm. mentioned and the tables to set this up and interact in. We need all that stuff around it to, to be able to enter into that world. And what's futuristic is those interfaces, although that, that's been represented in an interesting number, way, uh, an interesting number of ways in, in science fiction media before. Like the, the earpiece thing got me thinking of... Um, uh, Black Mirror, interestingly enough, which is much mm. more negative, kind of darker, dystopian way of of looking at um, virtual worlds and, and interactive technologies where they constantly have uh, earpieces on their necks or around their ears and then all of a sudden they're interacting with a virtual world or, or a digital avatar is accidentally created without them realising in, in some of those episodes. Yeah, mm. interesting. Especially like when you look back on some wars, if you look at one of the later scenes where they're carrying these massive ice blocks over mm -hmm. just to call these giant computers and all oh, the yeah. around yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how, how technology has moved on. Although um, one of my colleagues, you know, you'll know, Ghislaine, said she was complaining uh, a week or so ago about a laptop still overheating on her desk in front of her. So maybe she did need an ice block. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the interface, actually. I love the process of how the synchronization happens and, 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 the, and the representation of the face and that element of how... It was so subtle, but it was beautiful. Like, you can just put someone else's picture. And, 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 and I think it, she chose um, someone else's picture and her, some two pictures to create her avatar, if I'm correct. I, and 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 that is the that's the element. I mean, um, about like the 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 
that has always been going on, but it hasn't really um, come to mainstream is that fully becoming your avatar is like kind of an alter ego uh, version of, and, and I love the element of uh, the synchronization. I feel like that that is possible. I, I actually remember an interview asking me, um, what if if you were in the world of you, what what would your avatar be? So uh, I, I guess I'm just gonna flip this question onto both of you. Well, I, I want to know what your answer was first of all. <laughs> I'll share it right. <laughs> okay. On. What would my avatar be? Because uh, yeah, it's interesting. Would I go along animal lines, along Hosoda? Because if uh, I imagine if Hosoda was asked this question, it would <laughs> definitely be an animal. Yeah. The, the amount of times he's put animals on screen. Would I go along animal lines or something else entirely? You must have thought about this, Raza. I'm just, I'm just buying myself time to think. Okay. <laughs> sure, so, ahead, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it, it really, yeah, there, this answer, this is a very similar one, which is, I do ask this question. It's like, what is your animal spirit? So like from the tribal spaces, you they ask this question. So I think it would be a mixture of um, an owl and a wolf, whatever that would look like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If... They think no animals, like uh, like just make it a bit more uh, creative and humanoidish. Then it would definitely be um, uh, a cyber uh, cyborg kind of a character. Um, might be mixed with one animal limb or something, <laughs> just to make it like very anime style. Eric. Um, so in discussion about this com- like, about this question. He he said, he goes actually, Eric. I I think your your avatar is somewhere close to the moon, somewhere close to the world of you in near the moon. Mm. And I thought that was a really interesting um, comment and and take on it. And um, I think what's interesting about the world of you is that even though it's very hard, solid lines, there's also a moment of delicacy and 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 tranquil amongst the environment, which is that that clean equator line, that that U-shaped um, moon, the crescent-shaped moon that mm-hmm. represents the world of you. But it's also the, the light source and 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 the fact that the you, that the moon and you is representative of of everyone. So so to be near the moon is is also quite interesting, and. And to and I was like, oh, I, I guess it's it's probably why I probably need more sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it comes with Working the higher education clock. world, I'm afraid, Eric. I know you've only entered it very recently, but that's how I feel a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, especially when. Working on you, I was actually practicing as an architect full time. Mm. So I, I was working around the clock, uh, my, my, my nine to six, seven, eight job, uh, two hour travel there and back, getting up early and then doing this t- this work after hours, after work in the late evenings into early morning, having early morning meetings. So it was, it was quite a rigorous like few months. But uh, yeah, that's what he said, an avatar near the moon. Wow, fascinating! Yeah, I, f- I forgot uh, again. You told me that story how you were working around the clock when you when you were working on Bell. So yeah, you're already hardened to the academia lifestyle of not getting much sleep. So you were well trained for that. Um, I guess from the way that people have talked about me um, in the past and things like that, I'm, I'm guessing my avatar would be. Although talking about sleep then reminds me of when I saw the film Zootropolis. I identified mm. a lot with the sloths <laughs> in that film. <laughs> Um, but uh, I guess the, the the impression that I leave on people and how I've heard them speak about me, I guess I'd be a giraffe. Okay. You know, quite tall, 
And also people always go on about it. Well, it's true because I do enjoy food. Well, it's, uh, just imagine the giraffes, you know, they're always sitting there munching the leaves at the top of the tree. So yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's probably me. <laughs> yeah. So you're the tranquilizer of the scenery. Kind yeah, of I'm the tranquil giraffe in the background. <laughs> yeah. If I was, if if I got a hold of this U app, they might pair me up with a giraffe. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that one when it happens. Eric, you mentioned about the process of actually building um, the world of you. Mm -hmm. What is your uh, process, subjective process of dra drawing? I mean, you use music, lights, you go on a walk. How do you get into the flow or zone? How, like, whatever that place is. I think it's about hitting the the, the keywords to to really encapsulate the concept of the world. So really depends on the, the the clear starting point in in some way and also what what sort of clues i can borrow undoubtedly it's, it's always borrowing from history culture references art any anything around that that if if in my presentations to him i always start with a few research images and what i think um those words mean to me and then it will develop from there and and also i enjoy this this modulization of 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 working with with these elements that that could become a vast world as well um so i think it really depends uh much like my earlier uh my work in my masters the project was very much to do with the united kingdom so i'd learn and borrow from uh British artists and painters and illustrators from Heath Robinson to, to, to Lowry and, and learning from those colours and learning from the way they use the characters to, to bring wit and humour. And uh, undoubtedly, if, it, if it's a project in any other culture, I'll learn from their paintings and their history. But because the, the internet is such a vast universal world, you, you, I was drawing inspiration from everywhere. I loved that project. Is that the one which you're mentioning? Isle of Maine. You there's is that the project which you are mentioning about the the that the capital of UK would be in Isle of Maine. Yeah, yeah, it would be in Isle of Maine. But but I think what's what's interesting is it's called cohesion and and it's uh, about bringing people together as well. So that that was the main critical thinking and, and thesis of, of of that proposal. And equally, I think that it, it resonates in in, in the, the virtual world of you and and, and Bell as well about bringing people together. Th that is a brilliant anime. If we do work on that project, that that seems very interesting. Would you explain it briefly? Like, what was the? I I would actually link uh, the the um, project in in this podcast description, so people can see all your drawings and how you build around it. But um, could you explain that world a little bit? Like, how did you, the take mm -hmm. on it was fantastic. Like, there's a, I would like you to actually talk about this one. So it was my um, fifth year project in in the in the uh, in architecture school, and I'm very thankful to my teachers and, and, and people around me supporting and guiding me through that project. And the, the brief was resilient cities. What makes a city resilient? So my, my, my position was that cities are resilient when, when they're together. So it was very much to do with that and having three key strategies, uh, strategic strategies to, to bring uh, a cohesive city together. And um, looking back on it, it's also very timely because upon the show, I, I did it in 2015 and then Brexit happened on the day that the exhibition a year after. So it was a very... Uh, ironic and also strange, strangely timed uh, place to have that project again. Speculating the what if and and pushing the, you know, 
future scenarios and, and what that could be. So it, it, it had a lot of relevance and a lot of weight at, um, at that moment in time. And I'm always thankful for that project because it's also that project that, um, where director Momo Soto was, had the opportunity to define me as well. So, um, it's definitely a, a project that's, that's quite close to my heart and, and, uh, I guess a starting point for, for a lot of my other future ventures. Cool. I just thought it was cool that um, I, I'm curious to see that design work now, how this it produced a different perspective of the UK. I think some people in the country would be happy to hear, oh, Isle of Man becoming the capital of the UK. That sounds <laughs> uh, that's, that's a really random way for my brain to work because I, I listen to a lot of film reviews. Mark Kermode, you'll be glad to know, is one of the many fans of Bell mm. and he has family in the Isle of Man, so he'll be <laughs> pleased to hear that. <laughs> um, so... Um, maybe just to finish it up a little bit. Yep. Um, John, your work talks about in this book, which you are doing part of Zatoichi, um, retelling the stories and yes. also tracking the arc of it. Um, give us a little bit of an intro around that, but also like, how do you think is it is it now being connected to the anime? Because the anime is becoming really big. Anime is becoming really big. Yeah, I wa- I wondered if. Today, this was going to be a question that you're asking me, related interests in that. How can I link Zatoichi to, to, to uh, Osada and Eric's work on Bell? Um, but yeah, to, I, I think a big link there, and, and thanks for bringing up that recurring the- uh, or a wider thematic point made in that research, is that um, retelling stories is really important and a, and a big aspect of our culture around us because, you know, one of Hosoda's biggest films was The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, which has been adapted Mm. to film and TV numerous times. I think it started off as a book, if I remember rightly, a very popular book in Japan, and it's just been retold so many times over again on film and TV. And um, Hosoda's ones is is one of the best-known ones. I think that was uh, probably the most broadly released internationally, that version of the story, because it's anime. And, of course, at the time it came out, you know, anime was massive around the world as it still is today. Mm. Um. And yeah, uh, re, uh, the importance of retelling popular stories it was a big part of the Zatoichi research as well because I'll just give a quick summary if, if anyone's not familiar. Um, Zatoichi, the blind swordsman, first turns up in a short story in... Why am I forgetting the date now? I've written the book. <laughs> this is criminal, isn't it? It's criminal. Early sixties? Uh, uh, no, no. Well, that's the that's the first okay. film. Oh, okay. um, the first short story is forty seven, forty eight, okay. and then eventually that's adapted into a film in nineteen sixty two. And Shintaro Katsu played that character first for twenty five films from nineteen sixty two to seventy three. Then he took it into a uh, TV series format up until nineteen seventy nine and did one comeback film in 1989. And there have been a few other iterations of that character since, which means the character's history stretches over across five decades because the Mm -hmm. most recent Japanese film was in 2010. But my book also touches on how there's been homages to Zatoichi in in other films around the world. And and that's, uh, as as Raza quite rightly said, it's a a point that the book ends on, is that the fact that um, this character has such a long history because there seems to be um an attractive quality or or just you know a compelling nature to these stories being retold over again this is what people seem to enjoy you know these big popular stories being told over and over again and Zatoichi is an uh, example of that Hosoda's work is an example of that I mean he he seems to like 
stories in certain settings and going back to those. We'll we'll have to see maybe in 10 or 20 years' time, will you look at the virtual world again in Bell? Mm. Um, um, So, yeah, I think it raises sorts of questions, you know, finding that theme. I mean, you can argue there's parallels in in terms of conclusions and arguments that you can make. Oh, people just like familiar stories and hearing them or seeing them and consuming them over and over again. But I think it also raises some questions. I don't think it entirely answers the questions of, like, why? What do we get out of it? What do we really enjoy about this? I think there's lots of different points that can be made there. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and and uh, Eric, just to just to finish before before we finish this, which and this is very technical question. If you do want to answer it, that'd be great. Um, which tools were using softwares, and um, um, if you if you do want to share whatever part of it, were you doing it in your bedroom? Were there some music? What kind of lights did you like when you're actually drawing, or, mm. or or creating these things? I I I really enjoy finding out this process mm. because it really helps me to create what is the best way of you know getting into the flow state or in the zone whatever we want to call that just just quickly that's a great question as well because this is why i buy films on blu-ray and dvd i love watching the extras finding out how this stuff gets made so yes (laughs) uh, just interrupting there but now i want to hear what eric's (laughs) gonna say um uh, yeah a lot of people ask me this question but uh it's it's quite low tech it's it's predominantly uh a cad-based program called microstation which um is similar to any other autocad uh architecture or line-based program for 3d modeling but it's quite old school i i was just using it purely because it's something i've used when i was younger it's something i was confident in in using and it was efficient in fairly using in in the time frame that i had and um actually what's really great about it is that it it exports lines really well d- mm. despite how dense it could get um even though it's quite quite a fairly old program so that that definitely helped with my workflow and then the rest is just photoshop magic <laughs> all the way through so those were the two main programs used and um initially uh, uh yeah most of it was in my bedroom because it was into lockdown and yeah no people around just just my bedroom uh my computer <laughs> it was uh yeah that was it quite low tech uh one just 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 me going through it week after week did you mention in one of your previous talks though at the architect office you were in at the time did you sometimes go in and use their computers when needed so at the beginning before so there was maybe a one month period where, oh, right. where okay. i was able to do it yeah because that was in we started in late 2019 and then we went into lockdown right uh, christmas and then lockdown so I, I did use that initially and then I just sign into every computer and just render on every computer when all my friends would leave. <laughs> <laughs> but um and then yeah, the most of it afterwards was was just in my bedroom. Right. We should we should mark those computers because at some point we would have a little sticker, the computer used for making VR for Well those are, those would be where you were working at the time. They're not these ones at the mm. university, are they? Yeah, no, no, no. Oh yes, okay. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what you'll probably find out now with the computers here in the building is that students try to do that and they don't always get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you were lucky, Eric. Yeah, you exactly. I'll probably get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fantastic, Eric. Thank you so much. Is there anything you would like to add or plug in? If there's, where should people find?
find your work? Is there a website? What should we look for? Um, I, I guess my parting thing is is that you know it could be anyone in this world that that has this opportunity. So definitely like just just keep plugging out whatever you do creatively for those out there. Um, keep learning, have fun, and uh, undoubtedly your opportunity will come. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think the, the the plug is probably just just my Instagram at Eric Wong underscore Folio. I will add that, John. Is there? Do you want to talk about a book or? or um, well, my book's out now. If if anyone is interested in that, um, don't talk about a lot of anime in there. If I'm honest, um, <laughs> because uh, that's not a massive part of Zatoichi's history. There's there's brief mentions. Um, I will be doing some more podcast appearances on on some other podcasts to promote that because this year, 2022, is the 60th anniversary of the first Satoichi film. So, Amazing. trying to uh, the book, book was out at the end of last year, so I'm pr- working on promoting that now. Perfect. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Eric and John, for joining us. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.